Hello and welcome back to the True Crime Guys podcast. I'm Lauren. And I'm Michael. How's everybody doing? Uh, we got the turning of seasons. Fall's coming. Oh, Football's I can't wait, coming. Dude. I can't wait. I can't wait I for fall, really. I'm tired of the humidity. Yeah. It's been a hot summer here in the Carolinas. It's been a hot one. I don't want to hear about heat, dude. Come on. You think I'm supposed <laughs> to give you sympathy for heat when I live in Vegas? <laughs> That's true, but it's a different kind of I heat. I live in though, hell man. and you're telling me it's hot where you're at. It's a different kind of heat. You can't escape it here. It's almost like yeah. it's better in Vegas if you can if you can keep it off your skin. You know what I mean? If you can keep it off your your flesh, you're yeah. good. But here it it's, doesn't matter. There's it's nothing. been actually uh, even over the top here where it's like been like one 112, 113, and also the whole town is filled with smoke from California because there's so many California wildfires right now that literally right. it's just like gray in Vegas. It's very like gloom and doom. The sunsets oh. and sunrises are epic though. But yeah, it's very gloomy. The air quality is trash. It's not good. God damn it. Dude, I yeah, Joshua Tree's on fire, man. That's heartbreaking. Yeah. That's heartbreaking. Like a national national park like that because Joshua Trees take forever to grow. Dude, right. forever. They do. Yeah, like 100 years to get a decent yeah. size one, it seems <laughs> yes. like. Yes. And it's like 100 years, and it's like six foot tall. Like, right. oh, my God. Yeah, well, they get like a drop of water every year, and they just like survive on that. Yeah, it's like they don't need much, but they also right. don't grow much, you know. Right. So, yeah. but yeah, that's that's harsh, though. There was yeah, a, I was watching having a rough time this year, man. Yeah. Between the, the virus and then all the freaking fires. It's crazy. Yeah. It's a tough place to be. Yeah. For sure. And the taxes, let's not even get into that. Yeah, it's not even getting into the cost of living of the place. <laughs> they just I just I saw that they uh, announced a bill in California that if you're a resident there and you leave, you still have to pay at a higher tax rate for the next decade. No. Like you can't even escape the taxes, dude. They just follow you wherever you go. It's just like dang. How can they do that? That's not even <laughs> I don't, I'm not saying it's gotten passed yet, but I saw that it was a bill that got introduced. And I was like, geez, dude, get out of there now before that shit gets passed. Oh, my God. That's some bullshit. Yeah. Right. If you're in California, you're thinking about moving. You might want to push the They're schedule up a little bit. such crazy taxes as it is. That's why so many people come to Nevada from California. They, they, you know, the house, they sell their house there, make a bunch of money, and come here where they can take their money further. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the same climate. Yeah. It really is. Pretty I much. Mean, yeah, it's because, a little hotter here, but... Yeah, but you can find valleys in in Nevada that are that are better. Yeah, that are better suited. You know like what I mean? A little higher elevations. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But let's not uh, talk weather we're like we're eighty. We got yeah, a, a cool seriously. crime to get into. Let's not get one starred. Let's not get, again. <laughs> let's get one star with this weather talk. I know, right? Yeah, right. We would probably deserve it at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I like to hear sometimes. I like to hear about local places, man. Good places. Yeah, you what's going been. on where other people live? I, I'm very curious. Yeah. I'm very uh, curious as to what other people like, how other people live. Like, Dude, what's their my, town like? That type of stuff. I love that stuff. That's my favorite thing about Instagram. Is I love when people put yeah. up pictures of scenery and then they put where it is. I'm not trying to be right. creepy or stalk on nobody or nothing. I just like to know. I'm like, oh, cool. Like, there's landscape like that in Oregon. Like right. you know what I'm saying? It's just it's nice. It's nice insight. It's a it's a uh, advantage that we have that in the past we never did. You had to actually I'm go sure, places to experience stuff. But I'm sure you can tell by how I've covered a lot of cases. I'm very I, I'm always doing that. Like I'll be like, oh, what's that place? Like I'll, I'll be sending out stickers right for our, for the podcast, like yeah. gold stickers to to patrons, and I'll see their town and I'm like, that's an interesting town name, and I'll look like Google Street View, like just kind of like move around the town and see what it's like. Right. I do that all the time. Like every time we've had a killer 
or like, you know, there's where there's an address, I'll have to go look at their house in Street View. And then I end up getting sucked into just kind of like moving around the town and looking at their looking at their main drag and just looking at all the different stuff in their town. Right. You hear that, Creepers? Lauren has virtually stood outside your house and stared at you. Yes, I have. (laughs) A few people I actually have done that. Like, what's this patron member's house look like? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, there we go. They're never giving their addresses, addresses again. again. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> you know everybody uh, does that shit, though. Oh, for everybody sure. Everybody does that shit. I've actually uh, neglected to give some people our uh, post our address because since we've moved, we don't have a P.O. box anymore. So the only addresses we have are, are for our personal residences. Yeah. So it's it's hard to receive anything from any listeners or whatever because we have to be careful you know you can't just give out your personal address um at any given time so it is for a while there i was just giving out my parents address and i'm like yeah they're retired my dad's always home he's he's got guns they'll be all right yeah they'll be fine yeah like when i lived out in the middle of the desert like i didn't care so much because you know i mean it's kind of hard to sneak up on somebody out there it's kind of hard to stalk Mm. without being like you know, it's not like somebody could park on my street and be just watching my house. No. Like I would be like, no, you were uh, literally like a house fucking car in the, the middle desert. of the desert. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I didn't really. I have felt like that I was going out to do like some some like when, when we were recording. You lived out there. I felt like we were. I was doing gonna going out there to cook meth or something. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a Breaking Bad scene. Yes, it's way especially because we were recording in a freaking trailer out out in the backyard of your <laughs> of your desert house. <laughs> Dude, people definitely thought we were up to some shit for sure. Yeah, right. Definitely. All right. Well, once nope, again, just talking about it. <laughs> uh, we've got a con artist series uh, part two for you this week. One ep- one case. This case is once again. This is one of those ones where I kind of planned on doing a mashup where we had a few different scam artists, but then when I started to research the the guy that you wanted to do, this French yeah. con artist, I was just like, yeah, there's too much here to do more more than in- to do anyone else. It's just That's right. he's a full episode in his own. There's more than enough here. Yeah. Yeah, I can't stand him. I don't know, man. Like, I, I don't can't know. I stand hate this him? type of guy. No, Dude, I hate this type of guy. Listen, this guy is why people hate the French. <laughs> he is. He is. I mean, so many people hate the French, which I wasn't aware of until fairly recently, honestly. Um, and then watching Letterkenny, uh, the Canadian sitcom, actually reinforced that uh, for me. A lot of people really do hate the French. Oui, oui. They, they you do. know what? I found and out actually that I... They are kind of I... a stuck-up cup of... Stuck up people. I mean, you know what I mean. Yeah. But rightfully so, though they have some amazing cuisine. You know, they're the city of love. They have an amazing uh, language. Their language we sounds to, awesome. We need to get a lot of people from France to listen to this and listen to our "Oh My Guy" ad at the end because this the amount of armpit hair there in general. Uh huh. I've I've heard there's a bo problem over there too. So I think "Oh My Guy" could do them some good over in France. You think? Well, it's where the naked ladies dance, after all. That that's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, I mean, some people are attracted to, to body odor, man. It's like pheromones. To an extent. I think, dude, I was at, I was, uh, at a grocery store the other day checking out at like the, I try not to use these, the self-checkout things, but sometimes on the lines and the normal ones are just down, down the aisle and it's like, you look and there's no one at the other, like the self-checkout ones. I'm like, ah, but anyways, I go over there and I'm wearing a mask because, you know, we're during a global pandemic. And I, there's a guy at the next register over that stunk so bad that I could smell it through the mask and it was almost making me gag. And that's not, nobody's really into that level of pheromones, you know? No. No. And so. I, I think it's, uh, yeah, it's much more rare to find someone that's into men pheromones anyways. I think it's mostly yeah. women that could get away with 
maybe not wearing a deodorant every day. There's a difference between your natural like body making smells, you know, when you're clean and you shower every day, as opposed right. to like if you haven't showered in a week, that's that's going to be just filth that's accumulated on you. That's a different thing. That's a different thing. Yeah, you're starting to get <laughs> yeah, you're starting to get a little bit of bacteria working in there. Get some serious um, funk going on. Yeah, that's that's a different that's a whole different thing. But yeah, like say you take a fresh shower, even if you don't use soap, if you just use like, you know, just nice clean water and you just rinse really good, and then you have just like a, that body smell. Like I yeah. think that's normal. You know what I'm saying? But it's a fine yeah. line from that to uh, stank. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's a fine stank line. Stank on you. Yeah, it can happen pretty quick. I believe <laughs> I am actually French, believe it or not. Uh, my, oh. I actually have kind of a German-sounding last name. I'm not going to say what it is, but my my grandfather was adopted, and he his family, before he was adopted, his last name before he was adopted by a German-sounding last name was Boutreau with an X, which is very French. It is. So that would that should have been my last name was Boutreau or Boutrox or whatever. Uh-huh. Um so yeah. I I'm I'm uh, yeah. I'm one of those that you that you hate, I guess. I'm one of them Frenchmen. Yeah, don't feel bad, dude. I got I got some uh, French Canadian in my past. I heard my great grandfather was French Canadian. So Yeah. We're all related if like I said, if you go back ah, far whatever. enough. It is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, this guy, I still, I, I reserve the right to hate. He remi- he actually reminds me of two people that we've covered. Um, Frank Abagnale Jr., for obvious reasons. You right. Know, him being an, an imposter and living this kind of like fake it till you make it lifestyle. Yep. But I liked Frank Abagnale Jr. Like when I we studied too. him, I thought he was awesome. Um, but he, too. the other part of him, of this guy, that uh, he reminded me of was Luca Magnata, which I cannot stand oh. that son of a bitch. But there, he's, is he not a combination of those two guys? Like, Yes, he is. Yeah. He's what not, about the guy? What about the French bank robber we did? The the heist, the heist of the century. Oh man, that was so long ago. I don't even remember. I, I remember that the ending was amazing. Like him, didn't he jump out of like a third story building and ride off on a motorcycle or something? <laughs> yes, he did. And he had like some epic phrase that he yelled or something. Uh, yeah. He's kind of like that guy too. Yeah. Um, but not not but quite I, as I respect as that more. Guy. Of that. I respect more of the like the work put in to like a Frank Abagnale Jr. scam and like even the heist thing, like the amount of work that's put into that, as opposed to just being an asshole that shows up at nightclubs and says you're somebody important, flashes around stolen money. Like that's yeah, I have no respect for that. Well, you know, th- I think he was at a huge advantage being French, right? Because in America, yeah. even though we have so much pride in our country, there is so much foreign romanticism here. Like there's oh, yeah. so many people here. Anybody with an we, accent's getting laid. Exactly. When we when we meet someone who is foreign, regardless of where they're from, it's it's automatically put up on a pedestal. They're automatically more believed. They're more interesting. Mm-hmm. It's right away. You know what I mean? Why do you think half of our American documentaries are done using a British voice for the narrator? <laughs> yeah. Is that necessary? This isn't about. This isn't a British story that we're telling, but we got a British guy telling us the story for some reason. Yeah. Well, the, the voice, man. The voice just sounds, sounds more, more intelligent. Yeah, it sounds more prestigious, intelligent. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into it. We just had an eleven-minute intro. Definitely All getting right. one star. Great. <laughs> <laughs> well, bring them on. What are we gonna let's, do about it? All right. Let's kick it off. Right. You can be whoever you want in this life, and that is apparent. The only person you have to convince is yourself. You're doing it right now, every day, saying things like, I would never, or that's just not me. You say those things because you believe them. You have confidence in that being true. Now imagine having the confidence to say something, anything, that pops into your mind at any given time. 
and 100% believe it to be so. That, my friends, is how you get a French Rockefeller. He's a French Rockefeller. At first glance, he looks pretty stellar. You can find him in the fastest cars with beautiful women on each arm. He's a French Rockefeller. At first glance, he looks pretty stellar. You can find What you need to remember with these guys is that they don't know they're con men. They're wildly overconfident. Omnipotence, omniscience, that's part of the mythology that surrounds the special forces. Your guy can walk in the door and promise training in something he personally doesn't know how to do and not even realize he's bullshitting about his own capabilities. It's a special kind of gullibility. William Gibson. Zero history. He's a French Rockefeller. At first glance, he looks pretty stellar. You can find Fastest cars with beautiful women on each arm. He's a French Rockefeller. All right, our case this week is a French con man named Christophe or Christopher Rockencourt. Would you call it Rockencourt or Rockencourt? The, the documentary I uh, watched said Rockencourt. Uh, I would say Rockencourt. I would say Long O there. And we're going to go Christopher or Christoph. He sounds more douchey just, with Christoph, but yeah. kind of But he, he even said Christopher. He okay. even called himself Christopher. So we'll just go with that. All righty. So uh, I used a very well-done article by EdgarDaily.com. Um, this article was called Christoph, uh, Christoph Rokencourt, the world's coolest con man. I disagree on their take on uh, I was just about to ask. the coolest, but yeah. nonetheless, the article was very well done. And I used a lot of it for the crime line. And we also uh, watched some documentaries. I watched a very cheesy, very 90s, like saxophone in the background. Lots of (laughs) cutscenes to like bars being slammed with the key being turned on an old jail cell. A lot of those, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. See, my documentary wasn't like that. My documentary was done by NBC. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was a four-parter on YouTube. And you just had to like kind of find them. Yeah. Um, But it looked like it was done uh, early to mid 2010s somewhere around there okay um but it was it was really good uh, a lot of real footage not much yeah. of the uh fake reenactment stuff mm-hmm. maybe maybe no reenactment stuff that i could think of because there was so much footage and so many people were always filming this guy and he always had people filming him right uh he loved the camera he loved being in front of it he loved the paparazzi and the limelight yes 
Yes, yeah. a there lot was, of I would paparazzi say my documentary footage. had the same thing going on. It was a lot of footage of him posing with different stars and whatnot. And, uh, and yeah. they, they interviewed oh. several people involved. They interviewed his bodyguard, the guy that was his bodyguard for a while. Yeah. So That's the guy that uh, kind of ended up getting him caught, right? The guy that kind of turned on him. Yeah, he turned and he flipped the to the FBI. Right. I also f- saw another video. It was um, it was completely in French, and it looked like it was a French program. Um, but it was about 19 minutes long, and it's it's actually pretty interesting to watch. I kind of got sucked into it. I watched about 10 minutes of it, even though I couldn't understand it. Mm-hmm. But it was just like him hanging out with all these different celebrities, and then it was like one film crew that was just filming him. I wonder if it's something that he put together to kind of... You know, I almost wonder if he didn't pay people to pretend like he was important. Oh, 100%. I, I, I believe that. I mean, very possible. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm feeling that too. Because I mean, you, you know, a lot of celebrities, they, they kind of leak information as to where they're going to be and whatnot so that the paparazzi can go. They act, a lot of times they act as though they hate the paparazzi and stuff, but that's not always the case. It may be with some celebrities that are so big that they don't need to do what I'm talking about. But a lot of the mid-level guy, people in, in Hollywood, they are putting, they're leaking, they're telling their manager to leak to the press, to TMZ and whatnot, where they're going to be on any given night. And then a lot of times I think they also fabricate some like chaos or like dr- drama where they go. You know, they pre- maybe they even pretend to get into a fight with somebody on the Sunset Strip and that type of stuff. A lot of this shit is it's phony, just like the the career they have where they're, you know, acting to be someone else all the time. I, I think it's a lot of fake it till you make it stuff or if they've already made it, they've got to continue that persona they have of being important. Everyone's following them. Everyone wants to know what they're doing. But I think a lot yeah. of that is them doing that. Well, I guess if people are gonna, our people are going to stalk you and photograph you in public, anyways, you might as well be prepared for it. And I feel like if you can kind of be ahead of that game a little bit, yeah, you know what I mean. If you're already going out into a public place, you're like, eh, I might as well let them know I'm going to be there, and then at least I can dress accordingly. Yeah, you know, look good so I don't, you know, get one of those embarrassing beach body photos, you know, that so many celebrities have out there. It just, it kind of <laughs> reminded, it just reminded me a little bit of. Uh, Goodfellas, when De Niro, like the FBI, are following them around all the time because they're obviously in the mafia or whatever. And like right. when they're sleeping and they've been, they're like uh, surveilling him and they're sleeping in the car and he goes out to leave and he kind of like knocks on the window. He's like, Come on, fucko, I'm leaving. <laughs> he's just like, Follow me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a little bit of that with these celebrities, I think, at times where they, they act like they don't want to be followed, but they love it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm sure it gets old, but there are times when it comes in handy. Yeah. Now, this guy, uh, Christopher Rokencourt, he did come from very humble beginnings, and I think it uh, created the mindset of someone who would do anything to not live poor anymore. We've seen it before. Um, Because he was born July 16th, 1967. Um, He shares a birthday with Will Ferrell and Corey Feldman, a couple of celebrities in their own right. Um, Wow, yeah. One took a much different turn than the other. Will Ferrell still... Still kicking ass, making funny movies, I guess. I don't know. I haven't seen I feel like I haven't seen a really funny Will Ferrell movie in a while. I don't know what's going on there, but No, I feel like he's just floating on his fame now. Yeah. He's just like showing up in he's, other things, doing side projects. Don't he have that Ron Burgundy podcast? Yeah, that actually you know what? I saw so, yeah, I enjoyed that for a while. I, I kind of stopped listening for some reason, but I'll have to check it out again. But yeah, I was enjoying it when it first came out. The Ron Burgundy I podcast. I love that character. Yeah. That character's great. That character can't be far off of from who he is or like you know what I mean? I feel like it's very easy for him to tap into that character. It's almost a part of his own personality. Right. Some some characters he I think over overlap the actual person. Yeah. And it just becomes 
part of who they are. Like, for instance, like uh, Ron Swanson, you know, Nick Offerman on Parks and Rec. Mm -hmm. And he played Ron Swanson, and it's just like, that's just damn Nick Offerman. Like, everybody thinks like he's this tough, like, libertarian, badass guy now that's just like a man's man just because of that character he played, and he kind of just went with it in real life. Well, he's got the mustache for it, so... He's got and he's got the voice too. The <laughs> yeah, voice is he great. just looks he looks like your principal or something, so it works. <laughs> he does. He looks like your your no business principal. He's like the right. principal they bring in when your school is like failing. Yeah, right. They're yeah, tired but, of this. But it's shit. great because it's like all tongue in cheek. So yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So so he was born in 1967 um, in in a small city of. Unflor. I had to look up the pronunciation because it looks like Hanflor to me. Unflor. Obviously, it'd be an American, but it's Unflor. Unflor. In yeah, France. If I was if I was pronounced, I'd say Hanflower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where are, you, where are you from, Hanflower in France? With that funny accent you Come got on, there, man. Hanflower. Hanflower. <laughs> yeah. So Unflor in France. Um, he was yeah. born to a poor family and spent most of his early life in an orphanage. Um, his life was very uh, tumultuous um, going, in the early goings. His, his family life broke down when he was five years old after his father, who was an alcoholic, walked out on the family. His mother then turned to a life of sex work, leaving Christoph and his sister in the care of an orphanage where he lived until he was uh, adopted at the age of 12. I feel like he had such a brutal um, early life that he got to the point where he's like, he was just like, I'm going to do me like what's best for me over everyone else. I've gotten fucked so bad early on in life that I don't feel bad for anybody that I fuck over because they couldn't have had it as bad as me. I feel like he had that kind of mentality where he was just like a shark, like, fuck you, no doubt. I'm getting mine. No doubt, yep. And he wasn't necessarily hurt physically, so he didn't feel like he needed a, a, to be like physically you know, it, retaliation in that way. You know what I'm right. saying? I don't think he needed that like a serial killer does. Like yeah, a there's no evidence that he was... Uh, advantage of or beaten. Yeah, there's um, no, no evidence that he was uh, abused physically. Yeah, it was right. more just... And he probably... Go ahead. Right, and he probably also came to the conclusion early on that if he had money, none of this shit would be happening to him right now because he could live on his own. He could take care of exactly. himself. Exactly, he wouldn't have to depend on an orphanage or a, a family adopting him. Exactly, exactly. Now, he did live, um, after he was adopted out um, of the orphanage, he did live under a severely disciplinary disciplinarian of, of a father who adopted him. So I don't know if that included physical abuse. It, it just didn't go into detail about that. But someone very strict, it sounds like, that was no fun to be in the home of. Right. Um, but it probably taught him his work ethic, though. Yeah. I bet you. Because it does take some work to pull off these stunts and some consistency some, and a lot of intelligence to be honest. Definitely intelligence. You know? Yeah. <clears throat> so he eventually managed to flee Paris at the age of 18. Once he was 18, uh, the you know the foster family, the ad adoptive family couldn't hold him anymore. So he fled to Paris where homeless and penniless, he began to create a life for himself out of nothing but his imagination and his deviousness. His first cons came under the pseudonym of Prince de Galitzine, uh, a wealthy Russian nobleman he dreamed up to serve his purpose as someone who'd, who'd be involved in the kind of big money exchanges he was planning to take advantage of. So this is the first case where he starts going under a pseudonym of a powerful person, and it op right away it opens up opportunities for him, and we see a very um, George C. Parker-esque con here where he's selling something that was not his for a whole lot of money. Oh, yeah, and doing it in a much more recent time. 
you know, in the right. 90s instead of the early 1900s. This was kind of a big deal, much harder to pull off, in my opinion. Yeah. I know the internet wasn't, still wasn't really uh, live and kicking in 91, but still. Still a lot of ways to uh, to check, to fact check this, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so he managed to sell this building in Paris for $1.4 million, and this is the money he needed to now assume what the lifestyle he wanted, where he could really trick people into believing him when he says that he's this powerful descendant of someone uh, very famous or well-known or uh, powerful. Um, he has the money now. He can He can assume the image. He can buy the clothing. He can buy the jewelry. He can roll up in a Mercedes or a Lamborghini to the club, start buying bottles because he has the cash, and then he can use that to get people to give him more money to invest and whatnot. That's right. So He basically so he, spends money to draw people to him to give him more money. Exactly. You got to spend money to make the cycle, money. The cycle continues. <laughs> yep. You do have to spend money to make money. I don't think that's what they meant, but uh, but yeah. It, it, nonetheless, it's true in, here in this case. Yep. So he pockets that cash and takes off to Switzerland, where he would end up being accused of a jewel, being involved in a jewelry heist, but he was never charged. They didn't have enough evidence to indict him. However, I do believe he was involved, um, and he was actually banned from Switzerland from that time, and I think he's still banned. He's never allowed to return to Switzerland because of his involvement in this heist. Yeah, they must have some good evidence on him. I believe he was involved yeah. as well. Yep. Yeah, they're the only country to stand up to them and uh, be like, nah, keep your ass up yeah. out of here. Everyone yep. else is like, throws them in jail, he pays the bond, and they're like, yeah, well, you can, you can still hang out here, I guess. Right. <laughs> so, and then in 1991, he makes his way to America where all of a sudden this small-time crook uh, who had always talked himself up as a millionaire was actually a millionaire. And in Los Angeles, young men with deep pockets were commonplace there was no reason for anybody to disbelieve him, um, and so yeah, he's got he's got the image now he, with that money that he want that he uh, he had basically stolen from selling something he didn't own in uh, Paris. He's yeah. now got the money to assume this lavish lifestyle and get people to buy into him and give give him their money. Um, Hell yeah, he's selling it and people are coming to him. He does. He all he has to do is make a scene, and people yep. approach him and want to give them their money. Exactly. Yeah, he's got he, he's going to paint this picture. Um, by pulling up to these these clubs where all the celebrities and, and high rollers hung out in a fancy car with a beautiful woman on his arm, get right in, pass the line, sit down in the best table inside, order all the best bottles of champagne and wine, and he doesn't even have to approach them because that would seem too eager. He lets them come to him, and then he starts his whole shtick of being powerful and making a lot of good investments or being the son of someone famous. Right. So... Upon his arrival in L.A., he invented various aliases for himself, including movie producer, boxing promoter, venture capitalist, the rich nephew of Oscar de la Renta, and even Sophia Loren's son, who was a... Sophia Loren was a beautiful actress back in the 50s, I believe. Just whoever um, he had to be, man. Whoever he thought would impress the person he's talking to. Exactly. He's a soci true sociopath where he didn't care about a wake of destruction that he left behind him. He didn't care about others' feelings. He cared about what he wanted. He would drain them of whatever he could get and move on without feeling anything about it. Very, like, reptilian in a way. Yes. Yeah, he was. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, he quickly starts mixing it up with the high rollers in the city, hanging out at all of the Hollywood celebrities' favorite spots, flashing the cash strategically so important people could witness his wealth, and telling tales of his ambitious investment plan to anybody who'd listen. Um, he had a, a, a natural charm that could win over the most cynical of doubters. He soon had the Hollywood elite eating out of his hand. 
Um, and at this time, he was throwing these lavish parties, and he had uh, a suite in the most uh, elaborate and uh, elegant hotel in in Los Angeles. I forget what it's called, but this suite was like seventy five grand a month, like a million dollar a year hotel Jesus. that he was staying in, where he was doted on by the hotel staff, and it basically sold. Like even more so, I mean, uh, all the image that he portrayed of himself at the clubs where he would meet these celebrities was just further driven home by the fact that when he took them back to the hotel, they saw he was living this way in a million dollar hotel. Um, and so, yeah, they, they just, they were like, how do I, how can I lose by investing in this guy that's this, this, uh, successful? Right. Someone who's temporarily living in a hotel like this, he's got to be able, mm -hmm. <laughs> he's got to be making better. Yeah. Yeah, so he throws these lavish parties, imp uh, impressing guests so much with stories of how he'd made his money and how he was on the cusp of, make, cusp of making much more that they were throwing money at him, begging him to invest their cash for him, which he duly accepted, promising handsome returns of which never materialized. And as the cash rolled in, high-profile friends and relationships came with it. During this time, he befriended Jean-Claude Van Damme of Bloodsport and Kickboxer, movies nice. that we all loved when we were little. That Classic made us feel movies, dude. Classic yeah. movies. So many kids drank raw eggs after watching those movies. I know it. <laughs> that and Rocky. Yeah. The original Rocky. They just they had me uh, lifting tomato cans with a stick, you know, and <laughs> yes. carrying books around the house, doing anything, yeah. lifting anything I could to try and get stronger. Running and, up your front steps, shadow boxing at the top. Yeah. You got to do. Yep. Man. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So uh, yeah, he's your friends, John Claude Van Damme, and he even lived with Mickey Rourke for a while. I think this might have been. During a, a rough patch for Mickey Rourke, there was there's a lot of footage of him hanging out with Mickey Rourke outside of clubs and whatnot. Their arm around each other. Mickey saying, "This kid's gonna turn my career around." Uh, I think it was yeah. a lot of drunk talk. You know, he had one too many bottles of champagne. Yeah, Mickey Rourke kind of needed him more than more than the other way around. I think at that point. Yeah, I think Christopher was doing was genuinely doing better than Mickey Rourke at that time. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Um, he was also in talks with Jermaine Jackson to develop a line of fragrances inspired by Michael Jackson's songs. Oh, freaking nice. awesome idea! Actually, guy, as much as I hate on this guy, and I think he's a douche. If this was actually his idea, if he didn't take this from someone else, which is very possible, he didn't mind stealing anything, including ideas. I'm sure. Right, right. Um, but that is a great idea. No, this was probably his idea. I feel like the French are big on fragrances and stuff. Think about how many yeah, right. how many colognes and perfumes are, are French names. You know. Yeah. Le Bleu and just stuff like that. I don't know. I just feel right. like that's that's they're always thinking about scents and aromas. But naming perfumes after Michael Jackson songs, fantastic idea. What it, what would you have to wonder like what would Thriller smell like? What yeah. would Billy Jean smell like? A uh, Thriller would be like, you know, like a fresh zombie, you know? Like a zombie. A fresh who, zombie. Yeah. Like a fresh zombie. Like that, that's <laughs> how that's how it makes people attracted to you, you know? Like, ah, oh, they really want to be around you, but they're not really that disgusting yet. I, I feel know. like that's saying a fresh turd. Well, yeah. there are fresh turds. <laughs> well, think about it. When you first get bit, you're not disgusting yet. Gosh, man. Yeah, you haven't rotted that much yeah, yet, I guess. Yeah, your flesh has right. to rot. Yeah. <laughs> but Billie Jean, what does that smell like? Something B repellent? Billie Jean needs to be a, some sort She's of... She's not my lover? Yeah. yeah. Like if you're, yeah, if you're going, to, going to a party and that one, that one girl that's just crazy about you might be there, but you, you're just not really interested in her, you might want to wear Billie Jean. Or know, some Sex Panther, like Paul Rudd wore in a... Oh, in, well, uh, Anchorman too. Well, no, you don't want to wear Sex Panther because sixty percent of the time it works every time, and that might actually reverse, <laughs> and she might be attracted to you. She might love the smell of gasoline, so might backfire on you. Right, exactly. You might be in, yeah. might be in trouble. Very true. 
<laughs> so yeah, he was in talks with Jermaine Jackson about that line of potential uh, fragrances. But he usually uh, had these elaborate ideas, and he would get people to agree to work with him. Like he was supposed to do a movie with Mickey Rourke, but of course it it all fell apart after I'm sure he ripped them off for some money, and then they were like, "Yeah, fuck that guy." Yeah, and the fact that Christopher had no ties to the actual film business. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that probably didn't help either. I did see in one source that I read that he had married, uh, in 1992, he married an actress named Gry Park mm-hmm. with whom he had a child. But that was I just saw that in that, that one excerpt in one article, and yeah. I didn't see it in all the other ones. I didn't see it in the main study source I used or in the documentary. So, uh, But I did feel like it was worth mentioning. However, four years later in 1996, he did marry a woman that we all know he went went on to be with for a while. Pia Reyes, who was a Playboy model, and he ended up having a, a son named Zeus with her. Of course, he named his son Zeus because he of thinks of himself so highly that he could be the father of a the father of a god. Uh, yeah, father of a god who yeah. spawned more gods. Right. Yeah, that that sounds about right. Yeah. That All the while, he was having an affair with another Playboy model. Oh. It says so much about how little he cared for others' feelings. He's with Pia Reyes, who really seemed to love him and stuck with him for a long time, no matter what he did. Yeah. And and he's with another Playboy model, Rhonda Rydell, and he's bringing her back to his home where he lives with Pia Reyes and their son, taking her into the bedroom while Pia's in the, in the living room or in the kitchen. Um, and all the while, he was telling Rhonda Rydell that he was the son of a rich French countess. So, wow. Believable lie, I guess. A little more than his others. Yeah, at least he's got the French accent to go along with his story. Yeah, exactly. Um, he would stay in all the presidential suites of all the top hotels when he moved around, running up huge bills but always squirming out of paying the bill, claiming there had been a problem with his card or a mix-up with the bank. So, And if, if he ever was forced, tracked down and forced to pay, he had the money, but he had this mentality of, like, why would I pay it if I don't have to, of mm-hmm. course. Um, these lies were so audacious that nobody dared question him when he would, you know, come time to pay the bill. It's like, of course I have the money. Look at what I'm driving. Look at what I'm wearing. Right. You know, it's just obviously the bank's fault. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The the lies Uh, were so daring. Yeah, he just looked so powerful. It's just, I don't think these mm -hmm. these banks or these hotels wanted to really mess with him. Exactly. They didn't want to question him. So... Life was going well for uh, Rokencourt during this time. He's now a multimillionaire with a stunning wife and equally stunning mistress. His life was, he was living out his, uh, his dream of uh, um, being this Hollywood big shot. And um, However, the foundations for his riches were far from secure. As we know, he'd stolen all of the money that he had. And when the unpaid hotel bills mounted up, the long-term lenders and investors started to ask for their money back. His finances came under scrutiny. So a lot of people at this time were reporting uh, being ripped off mm-hmm. by a similar sounding man. Maybe he had different aliases and different names, but the police were starting to connect dots and, right. um, you know, like I said, different hotels and whatnot and all these different investors that had given him money were, were going to the police and telling these tales and they started to connect all those dots. And in, by 1997, after numerous numerous complaints and unpaid bills and unreturned investments uh, were, com- were reported to the police, they ended up raiding Roken Court's hotel suite in which they found a gold Rolex, an unregistered 38 caliber pistol, a diary with the initial CR, an autographed picture of Michael Jackson, a bogus lease for a private jet, and a genuine U.S. passport bearing Rokencourt's name, which it turned out he'd bribed from the passport office to get. And it seems wow. as though he'd, he'd bribed them for multiple uh, passports just in case because 
when the police raided this hotel, he'd already taken off. He'd become aware that he was being investigated. He must have gotten tipped off by the hotel staff or something that his room was being raided. Right. I don't think he knew ahead of time or else he, you would think he would have taken his gold Rolex and his pistol and whatnot with him before he fled. Right. And definitely um, his uh, genuine U.S. passport. Definitely yeah, would have took so that, that tells you he had multiple because he actually did flee the country. Yeah, uh, but you still want to take that with your real name on it, though. You see what I'm saying? Like the the yeah, but what I'm saying is how would he have, how would he have left the country without another passport? You know? Yeah, but he should have took both of them. Especially, you know, of course. I, he, I don't think he knew ahead of time necessarily that he was going to be raided, but I think he was tipped off by someone either at the hotel or a friend or something. Yeah, he did have. A, you know what? He had a friend within the Los Angeles Police Department that I forgot about. He the the documentary I watched told a story of him getting pulled over while he was driving a Ferrari. Um, and the, the L.A. police officer pulled him over for speeding, and he says to the police officer, uh, you know, the guy says, why were you speeding or whatever? He says, have you ever driven a Ferrari? And the, guy, the police officer allegedly said no, and he said, well, why don't you hop in and drive it? And, of course, allegedly the police officer hopped in, drove the Ferrari, and they become fast friends, and he, this was his connection within the police department, supposedly. So maybe that's who tipped him off as to the raid that was occurring at his hotel. Yeah, I'm sure that police officer got a little more than a Ferrari ride. Yeah, for sure. Come on, bro. If if yeah, he became so, an informant in, to that extent, yeah. Exactly. He was actually seen in pictures with Rokencourt and stuff too, this police officer. So I don't know what ever happened to that guy. But um, Rokencourt, uh, after being made aware that his hotel had been uh, raided, he took off and was uh, went on a tour of Asia with a friend he had met in L.A. by the name of Charles Glenn. The pair took in all of the best hotels and restaurants in Bangkok, Hong Kong, Jakarta, and Shanghai flying first class and being transported from venue to venue in private limousines. With millions of his profits still remaining, Rokencourt could have easily lived out the rest of his days in comfort and luxury in the Far East, but of course he wanted more, as do almost everyone we've ever covered on this. They, there's a point in these stories, whether it's a serial killer, mm-hmm. where they could have stopped and probably never been caught, but they just can't help themselves. Uh, con men are no different. They, just can't, they can't get enough of the thrill and the power of ripping people off. Right. Um, and it ends up getting them caught. Yeah, it's not the money. It's just the the fact that you got over on someone, you're more intelligent than someone else. I think that's the real rush that these con men get. It's not so exactly. much the money. Yeah. So amazingly, he decided to move back to Los Angeles, even calling the detective in charge of his case to let him know he was coming back and telling him, quote, if you do arrest me, I'll just bail out and flee the country anyway. Sure enough, that's exactly what happened. When he returned, he was picked up for illegal firearms possession, at which point he posted his $45,000 bail and disappeared. For most people, this would have been the wake-up call to drop a life of crime and stay invisible for the rest of their days, but Rokencourt was not most people, and unable to resist the bright lights of America, he next showed up in 2000 in New York City. Uh, well, in New York State, where he would uh, end up in the Hamptons, of course, because that's where the money's at. Mm-hmm. Um, but Hampton, I feel like the Hamptons are a far cry. They're a lot different than Los Angeles. In Los Angeles, I feel like you have a lot more phonies. You have a lot of people that pretend to be rich, like much like Christopher himself, where they, they go out and they run up credit people, to have yeah. expensive clothes and, and Rolexes. But people they fake really it until they make it in Los Angeles yeah. because there's more places to live outside for a reasonable amount mm-hmm. and then still be showy in L.A. But I feel yeah. like in the Hamptons, not no, really yeah, the case. That's old money, real money. That's old money out there. Yeah. So, yeah, in the Hamptons, um, in 2000, he shows up, now using the alias Christopher Rockefeller, 
uh, as in a fictional French branch of the rich American family, the Rockefellers. So he's got the, the you know French accent. And he says that he's he's a descendant of the, there was a, there's a, a French chapter of the Rockefellers apparently. You know, no one was going to call his bluff on that. You know, he looked the part. He was playing the part well. And uh, he was renting a hotel suite uh, in the exclusive Hamptons area of Long Island for $15,000 a week at this time. So people had no reason not to believe his his claims that he was a Rockefeller right. descendant. Um, and following this, uh, following his Los Angeles model, the con man would hold lavish dinner parties at which he'd convincingly tell people of grand plans to transform their fifty dollars or $100,000 investments into millions the scam that worked so well was working again, um, and he was soon earning millions from help, hopeful investors looking to make a quick buck. But the Hamptons were different in many ways from Los Angeles, and the people in New York were slightly shrewder than those in L.A., apparently, because uh, Roken Court, or he may have been getting sloppy, but after only a few months on the game in the Hamptons, he would end up being arrested for yet another unpaid hotel bill, as well as reports of him ripping off people in the area. Luckily for Roken Court, police didn't run his fingerprints on a nationwide search, so none the wiser about his criminal past in L.A., they set his bail again at 45000 which he duly paid and fled the country. And with him fleeing the country yet again, I think it's a good time for us to uh, jump to our sponsors real quick, and we'll see you on the other side. You know what's rare? Experiencing full plates of food, but still having a full wallet. But with America's Best Value Meal Kit, that is possible. That's right, I'm talking about every plate. With every plate, you'll get meals you'll enjoy and your bank account will love, delivered right to your door. Think of it this way. One meal is the same price as one cup of coffee. And every plate is up to 58% cheaper than any other major meal kit out there. You can't beat it. Every plate dinners are the cheaper alternative to takeout or delivery. Recipes come together in about 30 minutes, definitely faster than a trip to the grocery store. And starting a meal from scratch, don't even get me started on that. Listen, I'm no chef, but I whipped up this panko ranch pork chops uh, in a matter of about 40 minutes, and my family loved them. It came with roasted carrots, oven fries, and a zesty dipping sauce. It was delicious. Crispy crumble on the outside of the pork chops with the tender inside. Everything went together well, and safe to say everyone's plate was clear. And one of the best things about this dinner was we spent less time deciding on what to cook and how to cook it, and more time just being together. Every plate's easy to follow recipes and pre-portioned ingredients take the stress out of dinner time. Every plate does the meal planning, the shopping, and prepping for you taking the time-consuming guesswork out of cooking. Never buy more ingredients than you need because every plate's recipes come with everything already pre-measured. Every plate now offsets 100% of their carbon emissions. So what have you got to lose? You know you're still sitting there wondering what you're gonna have for dinner tonight. Why not get three weeks of every plate meals for only $2.99 per meal? You can do that by going to everyplate.com and entering code CREEPER3. That's C-R-E-E-P-E-R, the number three. Again, that's everyplate.com. Code word CREEPER3. What's up, people? Let me tell you about our newest sponsor, Care Of. Care Of is a monthly subscription vitamin service that delivers completely personalized vitamin and supplement packs right to your door. Give yourself an extra boost this season, whether you're looking for more energy, better sleep, to maintain stress, or something else to help you feel your healthiest. Care Of's online quiz lets you know exactly what you need. 
Their fun online quiz asks you about your diet, health goals, and lifestyle choices and only takes about five minutes to find out your personal scientifically backed vitamin and supplement recommendations. I actually took the quiz. It was fast. It was actually kind of fun. And uh, my recommendations from Care Of was vitamin C, calcium plus, ashwagandha, plant protein, electrolytes, and extra batteries. And I have to say so far after receiving my care package, which was beautifully packaged, arrived at my front door. I've been feeling great um, taking my supplements. The extra batteries help out a lot in the uh, in the afternoon. I did put in that I get a little tired in the evening, and the extra batteries help you uh, get a little kick in the butt in the evening. Um, so, yeah, so far, things are working out great. Loving care of service so far. Um, 90% of uh, people fall short of FDA recommendation guidelines for at least one vitamin or nutrient. Find out where you're lacking with care of's online quiz and get back on track to reaching your health goals. Getting your vitamins should be easy and convenient. It can be really hard to know what vitamins or supplements you should be taking, but care of makes it easy to find out what you specifically need to be your healthiest. Care of delivers daily vitamin and supplement packs customized to your recommendations to promote personal health and wellness. Your personalized Care of subscription box gets sent right to your door every month with personalized daily packs, great for a busy on-the-go lifestyle. Experience the Care of difference. Love this. A portion of every sale goes toward the Good Plus Foundation, which provides expectant mothers in need with valuable prenatal vitamins. So not only are you helping yourself, you're also helping others by signing up. Um, as well, you also get vegan and vegetarian supplement options available to match your dietary needs. You can track your progress with the Care Of app and earn rewards when you remember to take your vitamins. And Care Of's delicious nutrient-packed quick stick powders can be added to your monthly delivery for an extra easy boost whenever you need it. And here's the best part. Because you're TrueCom Guys listeners, you get 50% off your first month of personalized Care Of vitamins. If you go to TakeCareOf.com and at checkout, you enter promo code CREEPER50. That's C-R-E-E-P-E-R-5-0 at checkout for 50% off your first month of personalized care of vitamins. Creeper 50 at checkout. All right, so we're back. After being busted in the Hamptons uh, for fraud and whatnot and paying his $45,000 bail because they didn't know all the stuff that he had done in L.A. and elsewhere, uh, they didn't connect those dots yet. He was able to flee again out of the country. This time he flees to Canada where he would assume the identity of Grand Prix driver Mac- Michael Van Hoven. And this this just has to make you wonder, like, he's getting away with this. Well, we know now he's getting away with this because of the fact that this is a time where people don't have smartphones in their pocket. They can't just pull out That's right. their phone and Google Michael Van Hoven or Google whether there is a Christopher Rockefeller, you know, yep. who's a descendant yep. from the French chapter, you know, all this stuff that he says. He's getting away with it because this is during a time where people would argue at bars about, you know, who won the World Series in, in 93, and they'd have to call their grandfather who knew all these things, and, you know, you couldn't yeah, just pull out yeah. Google. Exactly, exactly. Everybody had, like, flip phones in their pocket at best. Exactly. They had, like, the razors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so while in Canada, he has numerous brushes with the law yet again, and he really should have quit while he was ahead, but his insatiable appetite for the con ultimately led to his downfall, as in 2001, he and his wife, Reyes, were arrested in Victoria, Canada after being charged with defrauding an elderly couple out of $100,000 in a real estate scam. And like we said, this is one of those things where it's he hurt someone who gave him like all of their money, someone who wasn't all that, you know, someone wasn't a rich celebrity, and it wasn't embarrassed and something like that. It was uh, they, it was reported because he was taking advantage of regular people. Now, that's right. It, that's and that's that's a good thing to 
bring up at this point. That's a good reason why this has gone on so long is because of the embarrassment that most people felt. People who were rich and established in society, they didn't want the embarrassment of their name being out there that they Mm -hmm. got took. There was numerous people who he scammed who never reported it. Never. Nope. Just because they didn't want that kind of slide on their name. Yeah. And he knew that. That and that was smart. It was smart to pick victims that were in that pool, you yeah. know. And he and he claimed that he didn't really feel bad for them because they were already rich and he was ripping off the rich or whatever. That's right. However, That's we right. see that he rips off a, a, a masseuse in the Hamptons for fourteen thousand dollars, which was like everything she had. She was a very normal woman of me, you know, menial means, yeah. and he had taken everything she had when she finally tried to get her piece of the pie. So he pleads right. guilty to defrauding the couple, the elderly couple, to the L.A. charges of illegal firearms possession. So these uh, jurisdictions in America are finally working together. Um, and also to charges for bribing passports, ports, and to the fraud charges in New York. At his 2002 sentencing, he was ordered to serve five years in prison and repay $1.2 million in damages to his victims. Roken Court served an, a year in prison before being extradited to New York and pleading guilty to the charges of theft, grand larceny, smuggling, bribery, perjury, and fraud against 19 victims. Those 19 wow. are probably just a small portion of people that he actually ripped off. Like we said, a lot of people Very didn't small. report yeah. him. Um, and in September of 2003, the plea resulted in a fine of $9 million, an order to pay $1.2 million in restitution, and a term of three years and 10 months in federal prison. And although he'd been caught... nothing, dude. That's yeah, I know that's not that's right. Slap Especially the, the time in prison is just not an, enough. Knowing that he's not gonna he's not gonna stop once he gets out. He's gonna continue to do this. His track records showed that. That's all he. This is all he knows how to do, is rip yeah, people off. Absolutely. And so, although he'd been caught, prison didn't stop Broken Court from making money. As he wrote a best-selling autobiography, I, Christopher Rockencourt, Broken Court, orphan, playboy, prisoner where he'd claimed to have made more than $40 million as a result of his various scams over the years. So this is just another scam for him, trying to sell books about the scams that he's done, still benefiting off the victims from prison. Unbelievable. Yeah. One thing the dude can do, he can make money. Yeah. He can no seriously make money. So after getting out of uh, prison, he would return to Paris in October of 2005 after completing his sentence. He lived with uh, former Miss France, Sonia Roland. And they had a daughter together named Tess. They announced their split in early 2008. So they were together for a few years. Just another relationship he'd had with another kid who he'd move, he'd move on from and uh, not father. Um, right. Great guy here. In 2009, yeah. French filmmaker Catherine Brillet, Brillet accused Rocancourt of scamming her out of $700,000. Brillet, who was diagnosed with... Cerb- cerebrovascular disease in 2004 accused him of taking advantage of her due to her mental capacity. So I, I looked into cerebrovascular disease and my, my uh, very small understanding of it is it's like a lack of blood flow to the brain, which I imagine could, could definitely affect your ability to think clearly, I'm sure, at times when it's acting up. And he seemed to take advantage of her mental capacity and rip her off for a ton of money. Due to this event, the film Bad Love with Broken Court and model Naomi Campbell was canceled. So he was supposed to be in a film she was making. Yeah, he actually did a, had a red carpet appearance with <laughs> Naomi Campbell. And she is so much taller than him. It, looked, it just looks so odd because yeah. she's got to be like a foot taller than him. And she's walking down the red carpet with her hand on his shoulder. Just like, <laughs> you know, just like, it's like, how's this little guy I brought with me? Right. But yeah, they were supposed to be in a in a film together. Yeah. 
So Berlay told a French journalist that her first meeting with Rochencourt was the worst day of her life, even worse than the day when she was diagnosed with her cerebrovascular disease. And in 2012, Rochencourt was convicted of, of, of uh, abuse of weakness for taking Berlay's money and sentenced to prison yet again. Um, in October of 2014, he was again caught up in a crime, so he apparently didn't spend more than a year in prison for, the, for taking advantage of Berlay because it was two years later he was already arrested again, along with his lawyer, 23-year-old girlfriend, and the member of the French police who he alleged to have bribed in order to get genuine passports and visas for people whom he'd charge a fee to. So he was good at this document-forging thing. He was doing this way back, um, right. back in his early, I think in his teenage years, he was already into forging and whatnot. Well, that was the first big one he did. He forged the deed to that building in Yeah, France. exactly. Right. Yeah, so that was kind of his bread and butter. He just went back to it after being, mm-hmm. you know, served in prison a couple of times. He probably didn't have the right. money to to act like he did before to ha- to have the elaborate um, persona, and so he had to go back to his roots and, and forge for a while. And he was probably going to gain money and then go back to his old stick of ripping people off again. Yeah, this this case was still ongoing, but if history is anything to go by, we expect to see. Uh, Christopher Rokencourt at the head of an exclusive private dining table, sipping champagne sooner rather than later. Um, now, so that, that's uh, that's kind of where we, where it ends with the article that I used to study this, and also kind of like our documentaries and stuff. However, I looked in to see because there wasn't much new information about him available on Google that I could find, except if you are willing to translate from French to um, uh, use the translator. So I found an, a French article that was written on June 25th, 2020. So this year, just a couple months ago, um, in this French article, it says, Christopher Rokencourt, 50, he's now 52 years old, was having lunch this Wednesday with uh, a man named Mathieu Jerome Berskan. I probably ruined the name. Um, his historical <laughs> lawyer. They're basically, the guy's his lawyer. Um, they right. were having lunch on the terrace of a famous uh, Parisian restaurant um, when the latter's home, his lawyer located in a neighborhood district, was broken into. According to our information, the elevator went around all the rooms of the 120 M2 apartment, but was not interested in the documents, nor the computer, nor the folders. Cardboard from the lawyer's professional files, his attention fell on the safe. According to the first uh, elements of the investigation, the individual would have managed to open it alone. The police estimate the damage at nearly 100,000 euros, but it could be revised when a precise count of missing goods is made. The judicial police seized of the investigation of the Paris prosecutor's office. Thanks to a witness, the investigators were able to establish an initial report of the suspect. A relative of the lawyer passed an individual he considers suspicious in the entrance hall at the time of the facts. He was carrying an object that protruded from a tracksuit pocket that may have served as a tool for the break-in. The building does not have video surveillance surveillance camera. Um, Mm. And so to me, knowing the past of Christopher... It's so just, while Rokencourt was meeting with him, somebody broke into his attorney's apartment. Quite a coincidence. And his al- yeah. alibi, of course, it, it's so perfect. It's so perfect the way he did it. It's like his alibi is that he was having lunch with the with the attorney. It's like, how could I have done it? It's like, well, if you really think about it, of course, you could have told someone exactly where to go, that there was a safe right. in there. He, I'm sure he's been in his attorney's home before and seen the oh, safe. Yeah. He knew the safe was there, and he knew that he wouldn't be home if he was at lunch with him, so that's a perfect time to strike. And uh, to me, this just says he's still scamming. He's still out there ripping people off. He's and he, still he, doing he has it. No... He's scamming people that's trying to help him. Exactly. He's scamming off his own fucking care. lawyer, in my opinion. Yeah. He just does not give a shit, dude. Yeah. 
So that that was that was in June of this year. So yeah, he's not changed as we said. And the prison sentences that he's received, you know, a year there, two years here, just not right. enough. He, he's just going to continue to rip people off as long as he can, unless he's yeah. The detective bars. that uh, chased him in L.A. he he was convinced from the first time he met him. He's like, yeah, this people like this guy do not change. No. They'll never change. No. He's like, we'll have to. He'll have to stay on our radar forever. The idea Until of him working because... a normal nine to five for regular wages is not, it's not in his wheelhouse. It's not something he's ever going to do. It, he, no. he would last about two days doing that. He's it's like, why don't cards. I just rip off the owner? I'm going to go break into his safe instead. You know, Dude, I mean, and if you, and if you don't have the emotional connection and you, you're free from that type of bond of yeah. humanity, then yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't understand why you would work a job. You know what I mean? How could you, knowing how easy it is to get money from someone? Especially, I mean, someone that you can just ditch and go somewhere else. You don't give a shit. Exactly. That's just how he lived his life, man. He didn't need anybody else. That's how he felt. I guess he felt like I was abandoned at birth, and I don't need anybody, and I'll never need anybody, as long as I just keep taking advantage of everyone I run into. Exactly. So, yeah, that's uh, part two of our Scam Artist series. Um, The Fake It Till You Make It uh, expert. Fake It Till You Make It, man. Yeah. Even maybe even better than Frank Abagnale, now, man. I don't know. I don't know who made more money. I can't really remember how much Frank made. I know he was rolling in it though when they find. But isn't it funny they caught him in France? It's right. like they they went they went to opposite they went to each other's countries right to uh to hide. He uh, Christopher, Christopher knew his own country well America. enough. <laughs> Christopher knew yeah. his own country well enough to know that he didn't want to end up in prison there. <laughs> He'd rather be. It's much better to end up in L.A. jail or prison. Then because uh, oh, it yeah, didn't sound like Frank true. Abagnale had the best time when he was when he was locked in that solitary confinement. Remember? Oh yeah, brutal. that's right. That was a tough time. Yeah. yeah, he didn't think anybody would be chasing him out there. Right. That's crazy. So that yeah, funny. two con men. Yeah. All right, guys. Stuff, well, let's man. uh let's talk about some Oh My Gaia. Yeah, let's. Oh My Gaia is an innovative all natural deodorant, fragrance, and beard oil company specializing in paraben and aluminum free products. Their innovative line of deodorants inhibit the growth of odor-causing bacteria while maintaining effectiveness. At At Oh My Gaia, they use only all-natural, paraben, and aluminum-free organic ingredients. And they have tons of scents to choose from. Everything from vanilla, cherry almond, sandalwood, lavender, lemongrass, Egyptian musk, coconut, uh, dreamsicle, leather, lumberjack, honeysuckle, fireside. And of course, we have our very own scent called True Crime Pine. And guys, there's new scents being added all the time. So One of them is the pear, website. I believe, and I'm wearing pear right now. I got a nice pear, sample of yes. that. Yes, I I love Egyptian musk. That's one of my favorites. And I just realized as I'm reading this that I just have Michael Musk on right now. I actually need to uh, apply some Egyptian musk because I'm stinking myself out over here. My own pheromones. Maybe not, we need to talk to me. Wendy about creating that scent for the listeners. Michael Musk. Sounds oh, intriguing. Michael Musk? Uh, I don't intriguing. think they want that. I don't, I don't know. I think it'll work a lot like uh, Fresh Zombie uh, or uh, Billie Jean, like we talked about earlier. Just uh, take, a, take, um, a, take a swab of your pit right now and send it to Wendy in, in oh, a first-class mail and, and see what she thinks. <laughs> you know, she'll open it and pass out. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> Sorry about that, Wendy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's always new scents. Uh, she also has incense and beard oils. I know, I know kind of oh, yes. That, but incense, are, they're also fantastic. Ask about they those. They are. And they burn forever, guys. Yep. They're not like yep. the cheap incense you get at Walmart or whatever, and it takes forever to light. No, like once you light these things, they burn forever, and they stay lit, and they smell amazing. I, also, I love incense. 
also venturing into bath salts because I she sent me a jar of bath salts, oh. which I have used because I, I do take baths. My wife does not, and I do. Call me what you want. Uh-huh. I don't care. I love baths. I always have. That's fine, man. Soak it up. Yeah, man. It's good for the body, right? But uh, yeah, That's the right. bath salts, I've tried them. They're fantastic. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, Just don't I have smoke to try them. those then. No, don't not smoke human them. consumption. Uh-uh, uh-uh. You'll eat people's faces, I believe, or yeah. something like that. I'm not really I'm really sure how that works. Google uh, bath salts Florida man. Yeah, I think don't that'll, do that. I'll explain everything you need to know. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, guys, ohmygaia.com. That's O-H-M-Y-G-A-I-A.com. You guys can stay up to date there. And because you are True Crime Guys listeners, you can use the word creeper, C-R-E-E-P-E-R, for 15% off your order. And that's at ohmygaia.com or at shop underscore ohmygaia on Instagram. You won't do regret it. it, guys. Do it. Do it. Do it to it. All right. Uh, as we mentioned, we did a Patreon-exclusive episode last week. You can find our Patreon page, patreon.com slash guys. Two bucks a month gets you yes. all sorts of premium content. Um, and that's why we you didn't hear us if you're on our normal podcast feed last week. Um, if that's you thought right. we didn't record, you're wrong. We did. Um, you just have to go to Patreon to find that episode, which we did on Greg Kelly. It was two hours long. Um, right. It was based off, we used the uh, amazing docu-series on Showtime called Outcry to study for that. Um, highly oh, re- recommended. So, uh, Guys, also, while we're talking about Patreon, some big news with Patreon. Um, it's not available for all accounts, and I found this out because it's not available on our Strange and Unexplained Patreon, which is patreon.com slash SNU podcast. But for true crime guys, you are now uh, eligible to pledge for a year. So I know when we first started Patreon, we had a lot of people requesting this. They're Mm -hmm. like, I don't want to have the monthly recurring payments. Is there a way that I can just pay up front for you guys for a year or whatever, you know, times this by 12 and just give it to you? Well, no, before there wasn't. But now there is. You can can pay by the year and you actually get a 10% discount uh, for doing that. Yep. So, which is why I saw we got an email. Which is why I saw yeah. we got an email that said that we got a new pledge of fifty dollar, uh, fifty four dollar patron. I was like, holy shit, this person's giving us fifty four bucks a month. And then, I, and then I start <laughs> thinking about like, that's. A, and it turns out it was someone that has already gone ahead and uh, paid up front for a year, and they got the that's discount. Because right. if you think about it, too, what was it? I, I guess they. I don't know what level of patron they would be, but they were they were five dollar patrons, oh, okay. so it would have been sixty dollars a year. So you get ten so percent off, bucks. which is six dollars. Now, if you're yeah. a two dollar a month patron, instead it would only be it would normally be twenty four, but I guess you would probably end up paying around twenty bucks for the entire year, right? Something like that. Right. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. So it's not a bad discount, guys. If that's if that's something you're into, you know, if you got if you got twenty bucks or you know fifty bucks, whatever, laying around, you don't want to have to worry about that that another monthly bill mm-hmm. coming out. You know, I feel like these subscriptions they really add up nowadays. Yeah. God, these freaking subscriptions! I have so many of them. I know, but I, got, um, I still got to delete Showtime because I got the free month last week to do that episode. Yeah, exactly. Not that Showtime's that not great. I just up. like you said, like it adds up, and it's like another ten bucks a month. It's like, oh. Yes. I feel like every few months I go through and I have to prioritize. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. what are we not watching anymore? What are we not using? Because it's just too much. Yep. So it'd be, it'd, be a, it'd be much more beneficial to just pledge by the year, in my opinion. Um, so if that is for you, hey, that's an option now uh, for True Crime Guys. And that's patreon.com slash Guys, And you guys will uh, get access to everything that is available on Patreon, which is a buttload of content, guys. It is. Like, it's like uh, so uh, at least 100 recordings episodes. at this point, I feel like. Pretty at close least. To it. Yeah. At least. 
So, so um, plenty of content on there. I'd like to take this moment to thank everybody that has taken the time to to go and rate and review the show on iTunes, Stitcher, whatnot. Um, and I want to give everybody a shout out. This goes all the way back to the second because last week we had our Patreon episode. The week before that, we released the Patreon episode to the freeloader. So it's it's been since the second since yeah. we did the shout outs for people who have gone rate and review. So it might be a few of them here. So we got uh, Magnum C. I want to say thank you. Five stars. Love these guys. He says, awesome. uh, "Dirt, Dirt Magert, Dirt Magert, uh, Dirt said, Magert. Sup. said sup. Five stars. Good stuff, guys. Thank you. I'll take it. Um, and those were both in the U.S. And we got also Brit Blizz in the U.S. said shout out from ENC. Love the show, especially the dash of humor with the heavy topics. The personalities mash perfectly. Keep it up. Enjoy the not so known stories." Thank you, Brit, Brit Blitz, Blizz. Uh, Choice Fan in the U.S. said, you guys are great. Five stars. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Lily in OZ in Australia oh. uh, said, Leslie Mel's, uh, Melbourne, Australia. Awesome. Glad my sister recommended you guys, mate. All right. All right. <laughs> oh, we got another one from Australia right after that. We Uh-oh. got uh, Serbian Moff- Mafija. Uh, in Australia, said long time listener. Enjoy the banter. Nothing worse than people who take themselves too seriously. Keep up the great work, boys. Oh, right on, mate. We definitely don't do that. Crikey, crikey. Uh, <laughs> Molson's mom in Canada, right on. Oh, Molson's mom. Isn't Molson? Isn't Molson a beer on. in Canada? Uh, I don't. I have no idea. <laughs> I feel like Molson's is a is a beer in Canada with the moose on the front. Molson. It sounds like it. it sounds like I'm it should sure be. It if it is, could someone in Canada please send me some Molson's? Hell yeah, that sounds awesome. Said <laughs> uh, so. Molson's mom says awesome. Five stars. I was never a podcast listener till now. Can't stop listening. Haha, We Thank converted you. you. And she's from Edmonton, Alberta. So shout right out on. to the right oil on. fields and whatnot up there. Right. Uh, Alice Alyssa Barton. In the U.S., said top true crime podcast for show. Five stars. Thank you. Nice. Uh, Calf Pap in the U.S. said it's a crime conversation amongst friends. Five stars. Thank you. Uh, Ken B425 said it's all right. Four stars. I appreciate the honesty. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Uh, it's always good to, you know, when you get more than one stars, when somebody has some criticism, it, like one star, I just feel like one star, it has to be really bad. Right. Show to one, like they, like they're on. not trying at all. Yeah, just being assholes. It's like you're being a little bit spiteful when you just leave a one star. Yeah. You know. We just disregard those because you're just being petty. Whereas if you give us four stars and you have some criticism, that's a lot more like understanding. We'll actually read those and we'll still give you a shout out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so Pyro785 uh, said amazing five stars. Thank you. Uh, and she's in the U.S. Uh, or Pyro could be could be a dude as well. I don't know. Pyro is in the U.S. Um, mm-hmm. Nerdy Star Girl in the U.S. said, two awesome guys, five stars. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, BCFDIF in the U.S. said, 10 out of 10 recommend, five stars. Thank you. Hell yeah. Uh, uh, Schultzy Missy um, said, Ashley Sexy Time, five stars. Love you guys more than Ashley Flowers. Thank you oh. for helping me freak people out at work. That must be one of her friends. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Ashley Flowers. Yeah. She loves us more than you do. Missy loves us more. Yeah. I mean, it's in the it's in the review. We can't do anything about it. It's up there forever now. Yep. Until you review and say you love us more than Missy. Oh, that's yeah, that's true. That's true. Let's get a battle going on. Uh, Gary Bannister in Great Britain said uh, five stars, best true crime podcast out there. And believe me, I listen to them all. Wow, thank you. 
That's uh, you must be a busy guy, Gary, because that's there's a lot of true crime podcasts out there. Yeah, right. <laughs> there is a lot. And then uh, finally, we got Hero Brian S. Sister in the U.S. said, "Brand new listeners, five stars. Just started listening. I'm all caught up on one of my faves, Killer Queens, who we did uh, hey, an hey. ad swap with, and so we're starting to see the Killer Queen listeners, Killer Queens listeners coming over. So welcome. That's right. Uh, welcome, thank you Killer for Queens checking listeners. us out. Yep. And, and if uh, you yeah. have not listened to Killer Queens, guys, go check them out as well." Exactly. They're a lot like us, just the, the female version, which we've heard that about us when it comes to My Favorite Murder as well. A lot of, a lot of uh, listeners say that we're the male version of My Favorite Murder, which we have, we have heard that as well. if we could get even a tenth of the level they've got, we'd be, we'd be, uh, one of the, be we'd be so rich that uh, Christopher Rockencourt would be trying to rip us off. That's right. That's, right. <laughs> That's saying something. Right. Oh. <laughs> uh. All, All right. right, guys. You want to talk about your other show or Is our other show, the other True Crime Guys Productions? Yes, yes, I do. Uh, but real quick, while we're doing shout-outs, I want to give a special shout-out to uh, Mr. Jason Layfield, okay? Because he, he wrote on Twitter, he said, cool, maybe I can get a shout-out. The Patreon ones that I got from you guys and True Crime all the time were lackluster at best. Lackluster at best? What do we have to you do? You ungrateful son of a bitch. <laughs> all right, Jason, well, here's your shout-out. Thanks right. for being a listener. Thanks for listening to everything. No, I'm just kidding, bro. We really appreciate it. We appreciate you talking us up on Twitter and uh, spreading the news about the show. And also, thanks for being a Patreon on both of our shows. Um, Hell yeah. Our other show being Strange and Unexplained. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with that, patreon.com slash podcast. Um, if you want to support that show there. But hey, maybe you're unfamiliar with the show altogether. Uh, look up, if you just search True Crime Guys on, any, on your podcast app, uh, Strange and Unexplained should show up. It, you'll see uh, the logo is like uh, two velociraptors, and it says True Crime Guys presents Strange and Unexplained. Guys, it's kind of hard to miss. So uh, on that show, we talk about unsolved um, unsolved crimes, missing persons cases, and just strange things that are going on in our world. Sometimes it's just strange pandemics that maybe kind of flew under the radar. Uh, we talk about anthrax, eugenics, um, and then all the way to uh, missing minorities. I've been trying to cover a lot of missing minorities on that show lately, cases that don't typically get a lot of attention. And it is difficult. It's very difficult to scrounge up information on those, um, but I'm not going to let that deter us uh, from covering these cases and getting that attention out there. So, again, if you're all caught up on True Crime, guys, check out Strange and Unexplained wherever you listen. Absolutely. Great show. It's it's getting it's gaining some heat. I think people are checking it, it out. Is. It's doing well. Yeah, it's starting to gain some ground. Starting to gain some ground. I you play know. my little I play my little role in it. Lauren synopsis. That's right, Lauren synopsis, man. The theme. It's a good time. Go check it out. Stuck in everyone's head. That's right. <laughs> is that about? Is that about? Do it. Uh, go check us out all over social media at True Crime Guys on pretty much everything and uh, yep. Facebook. We have a private Facebook group which is run by Michelle K. Thank you for that. Yep. Um, you can go, you know, you can, you can be your, uh, kind of secret freaky self and talk true crime and stuff with like-minded people in that, that group. So that's right. I think that group is well over a thousand members now. So there's plenty of other creepers on there who, uh, want to talk to you about this type of thing, but they can't talk to their family. So go, go listen, go go look at their memes and stuff. Yeah. Speaking (laughs) of family, I can hear that my family has returned. I, I usually have them go down the street to my parents' house during recording and it's been, we've been We've had a few technical difficulties that you guys won't even know about in this show, and it's taken three times longer than it should have. And now my family is just like they're fed up in their back, and I can hear them. Yeah, my family's upstairs, getting a little so rustle- restless thing. as well, <laughs> as well as I am. Uh, yeah, you know when you when you uh, talk about the same thing three or four times, you kind of start to get burnout on right. it. 
but hopefully you guys couldn't tell, and hopefully yep. the show was as, as good as good as ever. So yeah. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next week with another Freeloader episode. I don't know if we're going to continue on the uh, Scam Artist series, but we could could always do a a different one. I kind of feel like talking murder. I feel like we haven't talked murder enough lately. Yeah. Um, And we could always come back to the crime. It's not like we have to do them one after another. I mean, shit, how long of a gap did we take between the... uh, uh, highway well, the, the killer freeway series. Killers. The freeway, freeway killers. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was forever. People had to beg <laughs> us to do Patrick Kearney to finish that series off. We were like, we don't want to. He's not interesting. There's so many things <laughs> we haven't covered yet. We just started on this true crime journey. <laughs> and yet it turned out to be one of our better episodes, I think. It the, did. The beep, beep, the beep, beep, moped uh, situation. <laughs> meep, meep. <laughs> That's right. I'm glad we waited. I'm glad we waited. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes the, you got to wait for the timing. The timing just wasn't yeah. right until then. That's right. Yeah. So, all right, guys, we'll see you next week. Who knows what we're going to do? But uh, we'll be here and we love y'all and keep creeping. Keep creeping, guys. True crime, guys. In the desert, we like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us because you thought we was true crime garage. Now we ain't mad at you. Sit down, let us talk at you. I'm talking to the creeper army. We out here making murder. Get murder. Get murder. Guys, guys, in the desert we like a mirage It's okay if you clicked on us cause you thought we was true crime garage Now we ain't mad at you, sit down let us talk at you I'm talking to the creeper army, we out here making murder charming